The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. As you listen to this interview, there is much contained within which will butt up strongly against many of your long-standing beliefs and perceptions. Due to this clash, you may be easily tempted to stop listening, as that which you have attempted to mentally digest borders on seeming beyond possible. This reaction is entirely expected. In the absence of such a reaction, genuine psychological elucidation is not being prompted. Tonight's special guest has gone to extraordinary lengths to try to have everything make perfect sense if only on the basis of good old-fashioned common sense. When he looks at the world around him, he sees a very unhealthy place where the bulk of humanity is heading on, a fast train towards very unhappy times. He doesn't have to be especially perceptive or smart to make this observation, but only be able to appreciate blatant and ugly trends gaining significant momentum in just a few decades of time. By trying to encourage people to consider a few things in a new light, he hopes we might begin moving away from the ominous shadow stealthily stalking our entire human race. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Daniel Wiley is a former U.S. Army combat medic. He's the first former soldier to successfully graduate from pharmacy school while being sponsored through the Veterans Vocational Rehabilitation Program. He practiced as a licensed pharmacist for 15 years and processed some 250,000 specific medication orders while maintaining a 0.0% error ratio. Subsequently, he obtained a business degree program and graduated magna cum laude. He is the author of full-length nonfiction books titled Pharmacist on the Edge, You're in the Army Now, and The Shape of Things to Come, which you can purchase at veritasradio.com where we have a more comprehensive bio. Daniel Wiley joins us from Fort Collins, Colorado. Hello, Daniel. Welcome to Veritas. Yeah, hi, Mel. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm, uh, I'm privileged to be on with you. Well, Daniel, uh, it's great to have you on, especially now that we're getting back to our more traditional topics, although I don't know that this is one of the traditional ones, but uh, we're definitely going to be getting into the rabbit hole tonight. So why don't we start with some of your background beyond what I read? All right, then. Well, um, I was born in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma in 1965, about a year after high school, joined the Army, became an Army combat medic. I was subsequently selected for Army nursing school, went to Army nursing school, 
with the near 4.0 average. And then I went back to the VA and I said, hey, listen, since I finished this much on my own and got near straight A's, will you consider finishing uh, paying for pharmacy school for me? And they said yes. So when I graduated three years later, I was the very first former soldier to ever successfully graduate from pharmacy school while being sponsored through the Veterans Vocational Rehab Program. Um, after a number of years, I got uh, a job at a hospital working as a pharmacist. I was in that capacity for for three or four years, and what happened was is I noticed that the way that they were handling their oncology operations were very, very dangerous. And I repeatedly went to management and let them know that, you know, hey, you guys have really got to be a little bit more careful as to what's going on with operations the way they are presently. It's not going to be a matter of if somebody gets hurt. It's only going to be a matter of when. And sure enough, uh, you know, sometime after, you know, all these repeated warnings, a patient got a bad dose of uh, intrathecal cisplatin dose that was comp powdered improperly by an untrained pharmacist and died. And um, so what happened was, is they, they tried to sweep it under the rug. Um, I tried to compel them to do the proper thing. Uh, they ended up firing me for petty reasons, and uh, which eventually led to me pretty much losing my career as a pharmacist. So even though I had a, um, uh, a what, they, what they referred to as a perfect practice record, uh, meaning that I had processed over 250,000 individual medication uh, records and orders uh, with a 0.00% error ratio, meaning I never made a single mistake. I, I lost my career as a pharmacist for the most part. And uh, from there, just pretty much have done whatever I could to financially survive. Uh, just to let you know, um, the state of Colorado uh, Department of Labor Employment held a hearing on my termination, determined that I was not at fault for my termination from the hospital. Uh, that didn't seem to help me in getting back into working as a pharmacist. But at that time, I was so jaded uh, by the whole healthcare industry, especially the pharmaceutical industry, that um, I really felt guilty all the time. In fact, uh, while I was working as a pharmacist during those latter years, I had a pretty bad issue with uh, alcoholism. And um, from the day I stopped working as a pharmacist, I've never had a single drink of alcohol. And it's not been one of those white knuckle experiences. It, it was my problem was related to guilt and stress associated with my position as being a pharmacist. Once I was no longer a pharmacist, I did not have that guilt. And I had no uh, desire to numb my brain through alcohol anymore. I cannot tell you how many pharmacists absolutely despise their jobs. I don't know what the current situation is like, but back when I practiced as a retail pharmacist 20 years ago, probably half uh, of the pharmacists and pharmacy technicians working in retail pharmacy were hardcore uh, narcotic addicts. They are narcotics addicts because of the access they have to pharmaceutical products? We, that's part of it. The other part of it is just because it's like working in a Taco Bell, but if you make a mistake on a taco, you can get sued and lose your livelihood. Well, of course, because you, you, you can kill somebody. 
Well, that's right. But it's it's not only that the fact that you can kill somebody, but you're working inside of this box inside of a grocery store where if a customer comes up and asks you where the orange juice is, you've got to drop what you're doing. You, you, you know, not focus on your work. Mm. You've got to go help the customer. If you don't help the customer, then the store manager is writing you all the time. So it's this blatant professional conflict of interest to have these pharmacies inside these grocery stores that are managed by um, grocery store managers. And the pharmacist, you know, try to tell the, the state, various state boards of pharmacy all the time, look, we should not be in these in these positions, but, you know, being managed by these grocery store managers because they they are constantly encouraging us to do things which are unethical as it pertains to pharmacy. You know, let me interject for a second. I, I always sure. wondered that, Daniel. See, I'm just thinking I I had a hunch that this was happening. Because I see these pharmacies all the time, conveniently located inside of, of every convenience store, supermarket, Walmart, and so on. But, you know, I had family members who had pharmacies in the past, and they owned the pharmacy. People would go to the mm-hmm. town pharmacy, and it's almost sometimes people didn't even go to the doctor. They would go and see so-and-so, hey, what do you think about this? And the local pharmacist would know sometimes even more than the doctors. But all of a sudden, small mom-and-pop pharmacies faded away, just like many retail stores faded away. And they, now they merged into the you know retail compounds of uh, the supermarket chains or Walmart and so on. So do we see the old-school pharmacists still alive, or are you now part of a grocery store chain? Oh yeah, the the well, well back uh, to your point about the mom and pop pharmacies uh, having some of the you know the the best pharmacists that had the most information. Back when you had these these individually owned uh, pharmacies, like uh, a lot of Rexalls, uh, frequently are owned by an individual. Um, so we'd have like a smaller uh, sort of little general store along with the the pharmacy, which right. was the primary business. And if you owned your own own pharmacy you could do things your own way and you could practice in an ethical manner and um, you could call your own shots and take breaks however you wanted to and eat lunch and so on and so forth and um, you could have a fairly decent life a fairly decent experience you didn't have all that stress associated with being uh, told what to do uh, constantly but yeah uh, those are those operations are for the most part gone um, every, everybody works for uh either a, a huge retail chain or they work for a, a hospital, which is in turn managed by a giant health core uh, management corporation such as H- HCA. And by the way, everybody knows this. Pharmacists, they have a very lucrative life. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe I know that you earned, you know, six figures. And a lot of times you earn much more than those stores' managers, which makes no sense when you are essentially reporting to them, right? That's right. And that, that was part of the issue is that uh, they felt that they were king of the mountain and they they absolutely despised anybody making any more money than they did. And uh, sometimes those people would just go out of, out of their way to just make us miserable. You know, they'd cancel our vacations. They'd call us in on our days off. Um, you know, constantly threatening to fire us if, uh, uh, if, if, you know, they, they really wanted to get rid of you. 
Um, they would do creepy things to fire you that which would really uh, negatively affect your career and so on. And so, uh, yeah, it's just a, a really um, uh, uh, ugly situation for these pharmacists to be in. And most, most of them are just miserable, miserable people. Um, I've got a couple pharmacists, friends of mine that I still uh, keep in contact with. And uh, both of them um, constantly suffer from chemical dependencies, failed relationships, alcoholism, um, you know, suicidal tendencies, so on and so forth. For the most part, uh, pharmacists are not happy people. Well, it's not only pharmacists. And, and by the way, I didn't expect that we we're going to be discussing this today. But because it's part of, of your bio and it's relevant, I, it's okay to expound on it. But doctors, you probably know this, medical doctors, I believe the life expectancy of a doctor, I believe the age is 56 and I personally know people who have committed suicide, and it's probably one of the highest um, professions when it comes to early demise or suicide. And I wonder why that is. Do you know? Uh, well, uh, yes. Uh, part of the reason why is because um, uh, they go through all this uh, – uh, well, first of all, just to become a doctor in today's his environment is so insanely competitive. Um, a lot of the, the medical schools um, have, uh, in order to be considered competitive, you actually have to have, a, 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 if not a 4.0 average, you have to have an excess of a 4.0 average. And so people will wonder, well, if, if 4.0 is perfect, how do you get better than perfect? Well, the way that they do that now is that you can actually do things to pay to have these extra classes and things where you'll get extra credits added on top of your 4.0 average. And so if you look at if you just go to like uh, Harvard or Yale right now and look at uh, like their average uh, GPAs for uh, acceptance into their medical programs, um, you'll see a lot of them are like 4.1. That's incredible. Yeah. And so what happens is, is that um, you get. It, these doctors, they go through these incredible uh, 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 competitive um, uh, trainings to get into these programs. Oftentimes, when they get into the programs now, the programs now um, uh, are worlds apart different from what they were back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, um, where when you came out of school, you were you know a fairly uh, accomplished, uh, uh, knowledgeable individual. Um for the last 10 to 20 years, uh, what they teach these people and how they teach them and the authority that they give them after they become licensed has just been stripped. They've just been turned into to order followers. And a lot of the doctors feel like they just work for insurance companies. So let's say, for example, a, a, a doctor sees a patient and um, this patient has a particular, uh, say, skin infection that he knows the perfect uh, uh, type ointment that will treat this infection. Um, well, he has to go by a matrix. And if the, if the drug is not carried on the formulary matrix, then he has to write a prescription for the other drug first. And then if that doesn't work, which he almost 
knows for sure it won't because he's the person with the experience, then the patient will have to come back for a subsequent appointment. Now he'll have to submit, you know, sort of an insurance override for the new drug. The patient will have to go back to the pharmacy for another prescription to get another ointment, which he knew would have worked from day one had he been allowed to do his job as he, you know, wanted to do it. But he's managed by the insurance company. I think that's that's what happens, Daniel. The medical doctors and even pharmacists, you have to operate within the specific toolbox or script that is given to you by the Rothschild medical industry. And if you even step out of that, then your career is over. Your license might be revoked. And I think that one of the things that causes depression and even suicide is the fact that a lot of these doctors go to medical school, which is a mind control system. I mean, sometimes you can't even sleep for days in preparation for a test. And then you come out and you realize, I'm going to be here to cure and to save lives. And you realize that it's not what you thought. You cannot cure anyone because there's no cure. Cure is, you know, the, um, the, the, the it goes against all principles of medical industry because it's not profitable. So anyway, I don't want to continue discussing all of this. I wanted just to discuss your biography. But then how from here, how did you go to become an author into all these deep rabbit holes that you discuss in your book? Okay, well, um, uh, because I was already open uh, to the truth about the, the, uh, the healthcare industry and the pharmaceutical industry, um, I had also worked as an insurance agent for a period of time before um, uh, before I went to pharmacy school. So I already knew how corrupt the insurance companies were. Um, and so since I was already open uh, to uh, the, 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 you know, the reality that this, um, uh, that the American dream was uh, a little bit more of an American scream, um, my mind was was uh, maybe a little bit more open uh, to others and maybe a bit more skeptical than the average person. And um, uh, so what happened was, is uh, during this the summer of 2016, um, I was I uh, my favorite uh, genre of things that uh, that I'm interested in for for years and years and years was true crime. And in fact, up until about 10 years ago, there probably was not a book of any note on the subject of true crime that I hadn't read, if not hadn't read two to three times. So I was literally a bibliophile. I had read tens and thousands of books throughout my life, um, and I was just addicted to true crime. So the the types of programs that I listened to on YouTube were related to true crime. Okay. So, um, uh, one thing I noticed was that the, um, on these programs such as like 24 hours and, uh, uh, 20 or excuse me, 48 hours and 2020 and so on. Um, is if you watch the, the older, uh, versions of these shows from the, from the eighties, that that uh, some of the people that are portrayed on there as being the family members um, of one of the main characters in the program. Now, 
Now, these are supposed to be fact-based, you know, somewhat documentary-type programs, are now actors on modern-day crime shows. So, for example, if you had a girlfriend of a male murder victim on a... Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.